Hey everybody, it's Fatal from Fatal Affair. You can catch us on Apple, Google, Spotify, and Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for supporting the show. Yeah, it's your boy Fatal. What's going on, everybody? Oh, I'll tell you how I'm doing. I just got the Pfizer vaccine. Pretty cool, right? That's what everybody's doing. Going out there, getting vaccined, so that we can go to the movie theaters. Because Black Widow comes out July 9th. We have a um, an amazing show for you today. It is the Fatal Fanfare, number 9 for June 29th, 2021. Make sure, as always, you support your local comic shops. Go to localcomic.shop. Go to comicshoplocator.com to find those comic shops. Fandango.com or amctheaters.com will help you get back to the movies if you have your vaccine or wear a mask. I mean, social distancing, rent out a movie theater, I don't know, just don't get your neighbor sick. If you need showtimes or reviews, Fandango.com and AMC will help you get them. Just search anything like, oh, I don't know, Fast and Furious 9. If you want to go check that out, check out what Vin Diesel's doing. See if he drives a car into space. I don't know, I've just heard things. Don't forget to follow this show on wherever you get your pa- uh, podcasts. And don't miss Megacon Orlando running from August 12th to the 15th this year. Make sure you're vaccinated. Uh, go enjoy panels and appearances from Stephen Amell, Oliver Queen of Arrow fame, and the Four Hobbits from the Lord of the Rings series. Elijah Wood, Sean Astin, Billy Boyd, Dominic Monaghan reunite for a special evening with the fans at Megacon Orlando August 12th to the 15th this year year. So guys, I've been reading a comic. It's the Avengers run from 2018, and in this, there's a lot of similarities going on. The Avengers are united by Loki, just like we saw in Avengers 2012, almost as if the Avengers have already happened. They've they've come, they've gone, and one of them fought Captain Marvel in Civil War 2 recently. So Tony Stark's not on the best standings with especially the likes of Captain America, who was opposing him in Civil War 1, and in Civil War 2, him almost reenacting, reigniting that same war, but this time opposing the likes of Captain Marvel, who will later eventually join this run, and she later joined the Avengers proper in the MCU herself. So, a lot of these similarities in these iterations of these characters make me beg the question, is this where they're going? Because they already have Robbie Reyes from, what is it, S.H.I.E.L.D., and he's Ghost Rider. In the comics, he's one of the most badass Ghost Riders there is. He can turn not only this Dodge Challenger, this Charger, into the Hell Beast for the the Ghost Rider himself, but in this series, we see an original Ghost Rider turn a mammoth. And Robbie Reyes using these... As as a viewer, as a reader, we're reading this and we're thinking, okay, so how much is Robbie Reyes capable of? And eventually, he actually possesses the body of a Celestial. Sorry for the spoiler, Robbie Reyes, you know, saves the Avengers by himself, and that's no small feat. Uh, She-Hulk is actually coming in Disney+, and she's in this comic, and she's one of the most badass characters there is. And Doctor Strange is constantly trying to mentor this She-Hulk, this Robbie Reyes, until he exits the comic altogether, which is right now what he's kind of doing in Doctor Strange 2 Multiverse of Madness. I just saw a lot of similarities going on, and with the Eternals coming out, you're going to see the appearance of the Celestials. You know, why not, as a fan, toss these ideas in the air just to generate hype? Because even though we should think, oh, I hope they do this justice, we also have to enjoy that these are pieces of art by themselves, worked on 
on by different people all around the industry. But enough into that. That comic book's sweet. Go pick that up. Avengers 2018. I think it's on sale right now on Comixology. Going into the news, WandaVision was altered on Disney+. Plus. Where was it? The end credit scene was changed and shows a more contrast, colorful setting with a moving object in the background, which appears to be a snowmobile, but it turned out to be none other than an editing mistake. But this allows us to take a second and go into the history of Wondagore Mountain. Something I believe that Wanda made base on at the end of WandaVision because this giant, beautiful landscape, if they were to reuse it again and just say it's no man's land, unknown, nowhere, then it's going to serve a lot less special if Wondagore Mountain looks exactly the same, which it looks very similar in the comics. So let's talk about that. Wondagore Mountain is located in the Transient Mountain Range. This comic book locale is the birthplace of Wanda and Pietro Maximoff. Going back even further, it was used by a scroll visitor as the base for a shrine to a female scroll god, goddess, known as Slagert. This information can come back in another Disney Plus show called Secret Invasion, based on the comic of the same name featuring Daenerys Targaryen herself, Amelia Clark. Later being acquired by Morgan Le Fay in real estate as a base of operations for her crew called the Darkholders, similar name to the book that Wanda gets at the end of WandaVision. Why would she take the Darkhold to a place where the people called the Darkholders were? Because that's where the Darkhold was made. A group called the Darkholders imprisoned the god, the sorcerer, Cathan, inside of Wondagore itself. Later being acquired by, acquired by the High Evolutionary to create his new men, and he had a partner. That partner's name was Jonathan Drew, who is the father of Jessica Drew, the Spider-Woman. If all of this doesn't sound like future MCU, I don't know what does. I feel like I'm smelling barbecue and I'm seeing the Impossible Burger. Plant protein, real meat. Who knows? Could be fake, could be real. We get the Shang-Chi trailer number two this week. That was pretty sweet. The trailer opens up to what appears to be Kun Lun, the gates of heaven, possibly. Not 100%. It's a battlefield of martial arts constantly taking place and possibly being an ancient battlefield for fights still taking place or have long since passed. The ten rings of power taking the form of armbands instead of traditional rings possibly could be bigger because something bigger wore them. Kun Lun could mean not just the mention or appearance of the Great Protector or Fin Fang Foom, both being dragons, but other mystical beings through storytelling or flashback. As Iron Fist is a consistent character in Shang-Chi's storylines, Iron Fist is also the Fist of Heaven. Maybe this is the movie that introduces the positive to Mephisto's realm that's dancing both, both this idea of good and evil on opposite sides of the timeline. If the MCU is probably always playing with time characters and you have characters like this, you could potentially show the Dark Avengers or Avengers on a moral struggle, a moral, a moral ambiguity. And Shang-Chi and Iron Fist can serve as the pull in either direction. Shang-Chi having come from a villainous background himself, this could show the opposite of Mephisto's realm's energy. They could mention other forces at play, maybe if, you know, these martial artists understood Kang the Conqueror or how Doctor Strange they understood the Infinity Stones. That's what they defended in the Eye of Agamotto, and they understood that. So, you know, maybe we can see more of a return of that. Because the monks of Kung Lung, Kun Lun, they serve as defenders of heaven. And Razor Fist is in Shang-Chi. It's possible Razor Fist could reveal his role as a defender of Kun Lun in this scene with the battlefield, or if that battlefield scene doesn't confirm that it's Kun Lun first. Or it very well all could just be the Valley of the Sleeping Dragon, considering there are dragons sleeping all over the trailer. 
Shang-Chi could serve as the Captain Marvel to Mephisto's Thanos, having the Bruce Lee of Marvel fist fights with the devil. Give me that movie. That would be sweet. Captain Marvel came in from space and we were wondering, with her movie right before Endgame, what part could she play? And yeah, she whipped a little bit of ass on Thanos, but she didn't do it alone. So when come time to deal with Mephisto, what if Shang-Chi pops through a Doctor Strange portal and one-on-one's the devil? I'm totally there for that. Shang-Chi will be taking on the Mandarin as seen in the trailer, who is now his father. Definitely a retcon from his original father in the origins of Shang-Chi. A sorcerer named Fu Manchu, which we'll talk about a little later. And at the end of it, we get Abomination and Wong. And yes, this is Wong. People are saying, no, it might not be Wong. Kevin Feige himself said, yeah, that's Abomination. And yeah, that's Wong. And they're in the Tournament of the Ten Rings, which could either reinforce other cameos in the tournament uh, from unexpected characters all around the multiverse. Maybe somebody from the Sony, Sony universe or more Fox movies, considering Hulk. Uh, had that weird contract with Universal. Everything's in the air. Tim Roth is coming back in the uh, upcoming Disney Plus series She-Hulk. Shang-Chi is slated to come out September 3rd, 2021. The battle on Earth is no longer just between Autobots and Decepticons. Maximals, Predacons, Terracons, they all join Transformers Rise of the Beasts in theaters June 24th, 2022. Serving as a sequel to the Transformers movie a couple years back called Bumblebee, this movie takes place seven years later. Optimus, having just arrived on Earth with, will have to form a deep bond with the planet to become its defender. Taking place in the year 1997, one year after the debut of Beast Wars, which can be a plot point to jump us right into the fight, like introducing a Marvel character without their own origin story, like Spider-Man coming in Civil War. It's going to be amazing to see them just thrusted into this already existing universe. I think it's a good approach to an otherwise okay movie series, the film is being directed by Stephen Capel Jr. I gotta say I'm excited to see how they can get Transformers right without Michael Bay. I've always loved Transformers and it's not hurting as a franchise. It's just not that great. It's not Marvel great at least. Super entertaining and a lot of moving parts, but I need the depth that the comics and the games for Transformers can apply to this series. If you've ever played Transformers War for Cybertron, give me something like that. Leading into the 1984 series, give me something like that. Transformers Rise of the Beast in theaters June 24th, 2022. There's a new Suicide Squad trailer. We see Idris Elba playing Bloodsport. He's losing his mind in jail, staying prepared for any occasion with a voiceover saying that he put Superman in the ICU with a kryptonite bullet. Sounds like overqualification for the Suicide Squad to me, but cue Amanda Waller in an intensely threatening scene by Idris Elba, almost killing her on the spot. The rest of the trailer is just a really good time. John Cena's delivery in a really funny scene talking about a starfish. I won't say anything about it. It's kind of gross. Uh, the squad's getting briefed on how to defeat the kaiju Starro. I guess we can call him a kaiju, right? That's before the term became pretty popular, but he featured way back it when in Justice League comics. And now we get this classic villain on the screen in an otherwise should-be B-list comic roster in a triple-A movie directed by James Gunn. All of Harley's uh, Harley Quinn's scenes seem really expressive, like a colorful mime. Margot Robbie looks warmed up as fuck in the trailer. She's Harley. She knows it. Uh, it's raunchy. It's rated R. It's directed by James Gunn. Suicide Squad 1 wasn't really my jam, but this almost looks like it could serve as a first attempt at the movie again. I'm hesitant to see it, but you know I'm going to see it anyway. Suicide Squad is set for a release on August 6th, 2021. Then a weird surprise trailer for Clifford the Big Red Dog, an adaptation to the beloved children's show and books 
Early in the trailer, we see that Clifford and Emily both are very poverty-stricken. Both don't have a lot in this world until now. Through the power of love, Clifford is transformed into a giant dog who happens to also be red. For no explained reason. He was just red off the bat. Maybe we'll realize, watching the movie, that the red is what gives him the ability to transform through love. I don't really know. Whatever. It's not why I came to the movie. I understand that it's silly. We're gonna watch it anyway, hopefully, right? This movie looks like such just a feel-good film. If you grew up watching Clifford, it'll teach you you're never too small to do some big things. Will it be good? I don't know, but there's a CGI animal. Cutesy, all-audience script. Message of optimism. Like it if you like it. The CGI actually looks pretty great. It looks like a good mix between the old Sonic the Hedgehog from the first trailer and the new one that we got on release of the movie. I'd say it's not too creepy, but there could be a scene where Clifford finds a hydrant and my opinion may change that. I don't know. Clifford the Big Red Dog is scheduled to be released on Friday, September 17th. The film stars Darby Camp as Emily Elizabeth and David Allen Greer as Clifford. Directed by Walt Becker. We don't have a TV section this week because I still haven't watched season 5 of Rick and Morty. I understand that it's out, but doesn't the entire world know that? You don't need me to tell you, but I am going to tell you anyway when we do the season 5 recap of Rick and Morty. Make sure to follow Fatal Affair for all episodes and content, deep dive or otherwise. We spoil a lot of things. World of Warcraft 9.1 dropped today. A patch for the expansion Shadowlands where you will visit the you will visit the city of secrets, Corthia. You will be able to get flying mounts again in the Shadowlands and you'll take the fight right back to the jailer. But this time he's got Anduin. What's he gonna do with Anduin? What's he gonna do with Kingsmorn? And what is Sylvanas gonna do by the end of all of this? Find out in 9.1 for World of Warcraft. Now we're going into the final June Pride Spotlight of 2021. Drum roll? We don't need one. But it doesn't mean she doesn't deserve one, because it's Marceline, the Vampire Queen. Daughter of Hunson Abadir, King of the Nidosphere, and a human named Elise, Marceline was born before the events of Adventure Time, and she predates the creation of her now home, Ooh. Half demon, half human, she found herself orphaned and alone in a naive post-apocalyptic land, where she found quick work defending its inhabitants as a vampire slayer. With each vampire kill, Marceline could acquire a new vampire ability, until finally going up against a vampire king. Victorious in battle, but now turned vampire herself, a souring relationship with her father led her to pursue a career as a traveling musician, where she would eventually return to her home, which becomes her first appearance proper in Adventure Time. Her home being the home of Finn and Jake. Experiencing feel after feel, heartache after heartache, Marceline was able to find inspiration in her music, eventually feeling like <laughs> She's eventually feeling like her love has taken enough hits from the likes of her ex-boyfriend Ash the Vampire, her father Hunson, her pseudo-father Simon, who we learn is the Ice King, her mother at a very young age abused her way of thinking, but it was all in the intent to save her. Marceline not knowing that, it created a very confusing age for Marceline. She learned to love again with someone she knows is as smart as a firecracker and can bring out the best in her, Princess Bubblegum of the Candy Kingdom. Marceline is reflected in us when we don't feel enough or try to put up walls because we don't want to get hurt again, whether from a familiar face or a long-haunted past. She finds a way with Princess Bubblegum to get through it, not just because she loves her, but because she's capable of loving and she wants to show it. She uses that expression, those feelings, to write her music, and she expresses that to the fans around her, constantly putting on concerts to 
get people through their hardest times or just to make herself feel better. This is what makes her shine as a badass rock and roll queen, Marceline the Vampire Queen. And that's our Pride Spotlight of the Week. Now we're going into notable number ones. And first off is Aardvark Vanaheim with Strangers in Cerberus. Number one, written by Dave Sim, Laura McFarland, Benjamin Hobbs, with art by Gustave Dore and Dave Sim. Coming out June 30th, 2021. That's Strangers in Cerberus, number one. Absolute Comics Group's coming out with Resilient, number one. June 30th, 2021, get an early preview a week before the actual in-shop release. July 7th, 2021. Written by George McHale, with art by Vince L. Tabanis. Jolanda O'Brien had it all. A loving husband, a great career as a judo instructor, and a heart for helping others. It was that heart that led her to Cambodia, where she sought to help clear minds to save children from death and ruin. Unfortunately, when she accidentally tripped one of those minds, she must now discover just how resilient she can be. Can you imagine stepping on a mine? Has anybody seen Rambo? The new Rambo? Or even, tro uh, what, Tropic Thunder? No. Landmines? Big no from me. From Archie Comics, Mighty Crusaders, a one-shot. Written by David Gallagher and art by Rob Leefield. The Shield is back! America's first patriotic superhero, The Shield, has preserved through countless challenges and always manages to come out on top. But what happens when forces beyond anyone's control threaten the S.H.I.E.L.D.'s legacy of fighting for truth and justice? Follow Joe Higgins as The S.H.I.E.L.D. and get ready for some surprises in this new one-shot comic featuring art by Rob Liefeld and a story by David Gallagher. That's coming June 30th. From Boom Studios, Power Rangers Unlimited Edge of Darkness number 1. Written by Frank Gogol and art by Simone Ragazzoni. Answering Zardon's call, the Phantom Ranger investigates the aftermath of the Imperial attack, only to discover their connection to an ancient evil he encountered long ago, which may have finally returned to threaten the entire universe. Rising star Frank Gogol of Dead End Kids and artist Simone Ragazzoni of Power Rangers Dracon New Dawn present the first full appearance of the Phantom Ranger in a story that will ripple through the Power Ranger franchise. Coming from Coffin Comics, Le Muerte. Retaliation One-Shot, written by Mike McLean, and art by Joel Gomez. Everyone thought Mama Z was dead, but Forbidden Witchcraft has brought the ruthless cartel boss back from the depths of hell to rule once again, and she's ruling the streets. Now Mama Z has only one unyielding desire to see the avenging vigilante known as La Muerta completely destroyed. Can La Muerta survive the savage onslaught? I don't know. Check it out in La Muerta Retaliation. Coming from Dark Horse Comics, Parasomnia, number one, a four-part series written by Cullen Bunn and art by Andrea Muti. From Cullen Bunn of Harrow County and Andrea Muddy of Prometheus Starship Down comes a new dark fantasy tale of two worlds split between dreams and reality. After his son disappears, a broken-down man braves a nightmarish dreamscape in order to find him and battle the ruthless cult that seeks to rule the land of dreams as the barrier between realities starts to collapse. That's Parasomnia, number one. Coming from IDW Publishing, Godzilla Rivals Hidora, written by Paul Alor, and art by E.J. Sue. 
Coming June 30th, 2021, it's the 1970s and the world's most terrifying kaiju smash their way through New York City. As Godzilla and Hidora do battle above, down below, Todd Hopkins is racing across Manhattan in a desperate bid to save the only scientist who can stop the chaos and drive the monsters back into the sea. But before the day is over, secrets will be revealed and terrible choices made to save the city from utter destruction. Check that out June 30th, Godzilla Rivals vs. Hidora. From Marvel Comics, Black Cat Annual Number 1, coming June 30th, 2021, written by Jed McKay, and art by Joey Vasquez. Infinite Destinies continues. Felicia Hardy's vacation is interrupted when a layover in South Korea turns into an insane caper. This caper is a deadly journey across Seoul, where, across Seoul, where she comes face to face with Taiguki, White Fox, and Tiger Division from Taskmaster Number 3. What does this have to do with the Infinity Stones? Find out this June. June 30th, Black Cat Annual number one. Also from Marvel Comics, we got United States Captain America number one, a five-part series written by Josh Trujillo. Trujillo. Art by Dale Eaglesham. In Captain America's 80th anniversary, the shield has been stolen. No one understands the value of the shield like those who have wielded. So Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson set out on a road trip across America to chase down the thief. But instead, they find the captain's everyday people from all walks of life who have taken up the mantle of Captain America to defend their communities. And for what reason? The shield thief wants them all dead. Can Sam and Steve get to them first? That's United States Captain America number one. Finally in theaters, we have the long-awaited ninth installment in the Fast and Furious storyline. Cypher, Charlize Theron's character, enlists the help of Jacob John Cena. Dom's younger brother to take revenge on Dom and his team, his family. It's about family. The film stars Vin Diesel with director Justin Lin. I gotta say, I'm going to see this. Because I have to know how Han died. In Tokyo Drift, Han is the coolest dude. He drives an RX-7. Spoiler for a 15-year-old movie, he dies. But I guess later to be revealed murdered by Jason Statham. Han has been in the later movies in a sort of prequel fashion to his death, but while watching those sequels, I had a bad feeling with most of the things Han was doing, because I know the finality of that character. They look like they're aware of it, and they're playing with my heart, because they showed Han is alive at the end of the trailer for this movie, so I have to find out what happens to my boy. Did he find the Lazarus Pit? Is he an android? Like the Six Million Dollar Man? Fast 9, the Fast Saga, now in theaters. A Stranger Things comic series is being announced by Dark Horse in book news. With the series coming September 29th, return to the Upside Down and events taking place amidst the show's middle seasons. In the wake of Bob Newby's recent death, learn more about the dark and strange lore behind the weird world in Stranger Things, Tomb of Ebwen. Alright everybody, we're at the end of the show. Thank you for joining me, but we've got one more segment. It's the Deep End. A show where we take a story from the top and we bring it to the bottom. We bring it to the bottom and we deep dive with it. And that top of the story today was the Shang-Chi trailer. So we're going to deep dive Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi, the master of Kung Fu. First appearing in, sm in special Marvel edition number 15, December 1973. He was inspired by Bruce Lee and had his own solo comic in Special Marvel going until 1983. With a height of 5'10 and weighing 175 pounds of solid muscle, Shang-Chi was raised to become an assassin by his father, Fu Manchu, who became a crime lord and a shadow emperor of a worldwide phantom empire with a massive army of highly trained and fanatical killers. Later becoming revealed, Fu Manchu being immortal with the elixir of life is not entirely true. 
Fu Manchu having lost his life much later in the series. Shang-Chi on his first mission out for his father learned of his criminal empire in villainous ways, reforming Shang-Chi's original mission, turning him into the hero we know as Brother Hand in The Master of Kung Fu. Shang-Chi's origins, now consisting of being the son of the Marvel Big Bad, the Mandarin, not the Iron Man 3 one, the comic one, retconned to be the true Mandarin. Not in Iron Man 3, but much later. And that was shown in a Marvel one-shot with Ben Kingsley, where you understand that there is a truer Mandarin, not the one from Iron Man 3, either one. They couldn't show Fu Manchu because they had lost the rights to the character. So the change is very welcomed if we want to usher in Shang-Chi with some sort of relative purpose, while also fix and retcon some controversial mistakes or rewrites in the MCU proper already. Seems like they're doing that a lot with a lot of the timeline with Multiverse of Madness and everything. They're bringing the Fox and the Sony movies together so that you might feel incentive to go watch those movies again to go spend more money for disney now owning those movies reselling movies that already came out 20 years ago but now they give us a reason to watch them shang chi's abilities shang chi has spent his life mastering all forms of martial arts becoming the greatest known empty-handed fighter in the marvel universe even beating the likes of Iron Fist in hand-to-hand -hand combat, not excluding the roster of gods that he's beaten in combat. Shang-Chi also has proficiency and mastery over most Wushu melee weaponry, even wielding repulsor-powered nunchucks designed by Tony Stark himself. Having once gained Spider-Man's powers only to have them cleansed from Shang-Chi by the immortal Iron Fist himself, tangling with cosmic entities at close range left Shang-Chi with the ability of self-duplication. However short-lived his duration with these magnificent abilities, the knowledge of these powers get brought up when going against anyone in the Marvel Universe, even accepting membership to such teams as the Avengers, the Marvel Knights, the Heroes for Hire, the X-Men, and providing tutelage to Spider-Man in the field of martial arts. Shang-Chi even being able to use 9 of the 10 techniques in the Ten Rings School, which is based on the powers used by the Mandarin himself. Having mastered control over Chi, Shang-Chi can even use forceful manifestation of human spirits to blast his enemies given enough provocation. Clearing up Shang-Chi's origins as the now son of the Mandarin, Shang-Chi has wrestled with the duality in both the criminal and superhero world, from working with Namor to becoming Supreme Commander of the Five Weapon Society. Shang-Chi is a fun character to play with because of his sense of duty and honor outweigh his personal interest, a lot unlike Loki who we're dealing with right now. Having exampled that in a romantic relationship with ex-woman Domino, and even joining the resistance against a hydra-washed Captain America and modern-day Nazis. Shang-Chi goes wherever he can live out a normal life, but always runs into grander purpose. Shout out to Loki. Shang-Chi even having been chosen by the Phoenix Force, the great cosmic entity, to participate in a tournament of cosmic fighters, having been universally recognized for his great abilities. His ability is not without duty to the people who helped him along the way. It even leads him to go against the entire Marvel Universe for the sake of responsibility to his crime-oriented family organization. Now Shang-Chi is being adapted into a film by Marvel Studios starring Simu Liu of Crazy Rich Asians film fame, teasing his involvement with the film back in 2018 on Twitter and in 2019 confirming his role, directed by Destin Daniel Cretton Shang, being properly ushered into the MCU in his own standalone movie, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, set to release on September 3rd, 2021. That's all we got for the Fatal Fanfare this week, but stay tuned in a couple days for our spoiler cast on Loki Episode 4. I'm Fatal. 
And that's been the Fatal Fanfare. Thank you for joining me. As always, go support your local comic shop. Go do whatever makes you happy. Go create a comic. The world is your oyster. You don't gotta be a superhero to change it. That's all for me. That's all for Fatal Affair with the Fatal Fanfare. I'm out, guys. Later. What's going on, everybody? It is Fatal from Fatal Affair, Fatal Fanfare, and Fatal Foils. <laughs> you can now catch this podcast on Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for supporting the show. Later, everybody.